1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, here to let you know that my podcast, Next Question with me, Katie Couric, is back for its second season. I'll be diving into some big issues, like this country's devastating maternal mortality rate, the rise
0: of astrology, and a little thing called the presidential election. Listen
1: to Next Question. It comes out every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. today, I'd like to start with a peek behind the curtains, Oh, because Samantha oh. <laughs> just really impressed me with her knowledge of a Jetson-Flintstone crossover Look, movie. Look,
0: I may not know anything about SpongeBob, which we, t- we talked about last week, mm-hmm. but I can tell you the hell out of Jetsons and the Flintstones.
1: So we need to do some kind of cartoon trivia, because together we'll complete... I don't think so. So I didn't
0: watch many cartoons growing up, but the Flintstones and the Jetsons had my heart... And every now and again, I think I would watch The Tiny Toons. It got It got weird. (laughs) I was getting older, too, and it got weirder. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm done now. (laughs) The Tiny Toons got weird. Well, didn't they have Pinky and the Brain as part of their segment, too? I don't know. And then they separated on to their own show. They were part of that WB part of it. And it was really weird. And
1: I was like... Pinky and the Brain did make me nervous. Right? I liked it, but there's something about it where I was like, Mm-mm. "These they could really yeah. take over the world. But yeah,
0: Flintstones and the Jetsons, they were a part of my growing up for sure.
1: She sang most of the song, not all of it. I hummed a lot of it. <laughs> but I was I was impressed
0: <laughs> nonetheless. Our guest producer could have filled it out, but he didn't want to, did you,
1: Dave? <laughs> You're embarrassed by, me, embarrassed by me doing it already. No, I think we're all just <laughs> proud, Samantha, proud to know you. I'm so glad. <laughs> but that's not, we're not going to do a whole episode on that today. <laughs> um, we're actually going to talk about something that I, I, I didn't have. TV for a while when I was growing up. Uh, so I feel like I missed a very valuable like I have a cartoon a blank space. Right. But I do know Spongebob because that yeah, debuted came later on. when I was at the beach and I would actually have access right. to Nickelodeon.
0: And I think the reason I watched the Flintstones and the Jetsons was because My grandparents, who lived a little farther from my house, had more access. None of us had cable. Remember, Mm. again, this is like 1980-something, mid-80s and late-80s. And so it would just be on reruns on TBS. Uh And so I would watch it in the afternoons for about an hour and then go home
1: where Mm -hmm. I could not watch anything but with the three channels that we got. We had a very similar experience. (laughs) (laughs) But I had nowhere to go to watch anything. But— my mom did like to take me hiking, which is actually oh, what we're talking about today. There you go. We like to bury the... We want to confuse everyone right at the top because right, I think that makes for do. good content. But
0: right. Everybody's like, what the hell are they talking about?
1: We're talking about women and hiking. Yay. Yes. And I love hiking. It is something that my mom and I did together when I was growing up. Um, and it's one of the few things I do where I feel like I'm able to actually clear my, my right. mind. Because uh, you have to focus on where the next step is going to be. Um and we still, my mom and I still go hiking together. She's, like, really badass because she knows, the like, where the hikes are that aren't in the hiking books. Yes. And she has the hand-drawn maps of the parking. Yeah. And yes. I, I got her to Xerox them a couple of weeks ago and gave them to one of my friends who's also a good hiker, and I really trust him. Yeah. Ooh. Um, and I lived near where, well, I did. I grew up near where the Appalachian Trail starts. So it was fun to do, to, like, go and hang out there, like you'd hike up and you'd hang out there and you'd hear people at the beginning of their Appalachian Trail journey. Right. And there's a part in my mind that's like, I wonder what you're going to be thinking right. a couple months from now. Look, those
0: people are hardcore that they really are. just dedicate and take time off of work. I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh, wow,
1: good for you. Yeah,
0: But I don't want to be in the woods that long. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to do it, the taking the time off work. It's, it takes a lot of planning ahead. Yeah, like the boxes, having the boxes. Right. And I know some people, especially some people we're going to talk about in here, didn't do that. Right. But that makes me a little nervous personally. Right. <laughs> um, hopefully one day I'll do it. But I do hike a lot these days. I hike alone a lot. Um, I tell people where I'm going in case. That
0: is kind of scary.
1: Yeah. And I almost always get the worried, are you sure you should do that response? And I've even overheard a couple whisper it to each other, um, is she by herself? Mm-hmm. When I was like sitting on top of the summit enjoying the view. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, that movie that I'm going to be very vague about forever, that's semi-based on yeah, my life. I got to find this movie. I won't tell you what it is. I will find someone who knows. No, nope. uh, <laughs> I will there, find someone. There's a scene in it that um, this whole thing plays out where the character that is me hikes up and then this couple's like... Oh, poor thing. She's hiking by herself. What a fool.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. I think that's different for me because I go with Peaches, my yes. dog, and mm-hmm. so I don't get as many looks. It yeah. seems normal, I guess, because I have an added addition. Because I typically... It's never been, like, a couply thing for me. Yeah. I would be surprised if someone that I was dating would actually go with
1: me. hmm Yeah, my ex <laughs> used to go with me, and that should have been my sign. Like, before I knew he was interested, he'd be like, let's go on a hike together, and he hated being outside, oh. and I'm just totally oblivious. And he did the oh. the man-won't-check-the-directions thing, and we got lost for 11 miles. Oh. We hiked for 11 extra miles because oh. he refused to check the directions. So my good friend and I, who I've, t-
0: I've talked about previously, the co-worker, we did that, mm-hmm. and we thought we, were, we went the opposite direction of everybody else and I remember what group of people came and met us they're like oh you did the hard track and we were like excuse me uh-huh. and we added an additional six miles and we were starting to hallucinate towards the end because oh, we didn't dear. have enough supplies and we are like oh, I even almost rolled off the damn mountain oh gosh <laughs> a tree stump stopped me and oh, we well, just kind of sat there the <laughs> we just sat there I was like
1: yeah we, we made a huge mistake <laughs> we're really selling hiking to anyone oh,
0: such good stories though it comes out true. with such
1: great stories it is true uh, one of my favorite books is Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Right. Um, I have always, always, always wanted to do that hike. And I, um, Kristen, past co-host and founder, creator, right. Kristen, she uh, got me into that book. She used to do that, like, every summer, the book announcement oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. She said that one, and I would always read the book she announced, and it's one of my favorites. So. Is that
0: the one with Reese Witherspoon? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, it, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people really, really
0: love that book, and that seems really, really... Inspired people to go out, women to go out and make their own trail and take time and start really contemplating what they want. Yeah. Is that the
1: premise? Yeah, she she kind of gets in a really like her her mom has just died, um, her her marriage has kind of fell apart. She had some drug addiction problems, right. and so she, without hardly any planning, does this very difficult hike because right. the difference between the PCT and the the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the mm-hmm. Appalachian Trail. It's just the, and this comes from someone who has not done either. Right. But it's just like the very big difference in weather. Like you're starting in the desert and you're ending in snow. Oh, wow. And you're going through mountains. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to pack for her and she just right. did a She would even, and in the book, she did a terrible job <laughs> <laughs> preparing for it. But um, the opening scene is her like losing her shoe. And oh it's so dramatic because you're like, not her shoe. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> hmm
0: Anything, almost anything else.
1: Yeah. Would have been better than her shoes. It yep. he just goes rolling <laughs> down the side. I mean, like,
0: even your pants. Yeah, you might be embarrassed. You might get some
1: bites and scratches, but still much better than <laughs> your shoes. She got like duct tape and just wrapped it around <laughs> her foot. Damn. Anyway, we're really not selling it, right. but, but we yeah. both like hiking. So. Yeah,
0: I, I love hiking. And I will say I've been doing it a little less this year in the last couple of years just because of, well, first of all, Georgia's summer heat. Yeah. It's almost stifling too much to go out and that makes it unfortunate, but as well as the fact that it does take some time. Um, And I've gotten more limited because, and we'll talk more about this, but some of the political stances on some of our nearby hiking places that I refuse to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this was my coping mechanism. I know we talked about this during our little trauma series where my coworker and I would go almost every weekend mm-hmm. to some place. And I think once a month, we try to go to a bigger hike. Like we talked about, she was the one that, when I almost died, plummeted uh, to my death. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tammy, Tammy was the one, we would just sit there. And what was so funny about us is when we would do things like that, we would be really concerned for each other. But because we're also social workers and so very sarcastic, we would also make fun of each other, which mm-hmm. motivated each other more. We also competed to be faster every time we would go like to certain areas. Like we wanted to make sure we hit different strides. So if we had a park that we would go to every week or every, at least often, we mm-hmm. would, that would be a personal goal for us to beat the time hey. and enjoy like the top view but then still beat and see how fast we would go. But it was definitely one of our times that we could get together, just talk about whatever was wrong, whether it was a personal life or with our work life and just kind of diffuse mm-hmm. our own stress levels. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. I, I miss that honestly because it was. We had some big adventures, and one of the things we also did was so we tried to stay. If we did a big hike, like a faraway hike, two or three hours from here, mm-hmm. we would try to go to a local restaurant to eat. Yeah. So it was hilarious because the one time, oh, many times, but this time when I was disgusting with mud caked in, we walked into a uh, barbecue restaurant, which were all white people mm-hmm. and me, and I'm like, hey. Here's this brown girl with mud caked on me. How are you? I want food. Give me those ribs. That's what <laughs> about. But yeah, it was really, really great. And I think that's one of the things I love about having my dog is going to do it more and more. And it's a little more local with my dog because she loves anything with water. Yeah. So it gets to play and splash around and I get to hike and about. But it's one of my favorite things for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. I wish I could do it more as well. Um, so I think it's... We're pretty much talking about, you know, going into the woods, go trail. Right. People know what hiking is. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Um, but it particularly long distance hiking is traditionally a white male dominated activity. Only twenty percent of through hikers on the Appalachian Trail are women. And I will say about these numbers, they're kind of hard to nail down for sure. Right. For I think probably pretty obvious reasons. But from numbers that we do have. A 2010 report from the University of Wyoming found that only one out of five U.S. national park visitors were non-white. If we look at rock climbing, a survey found that only 0.2% were black or Asian and 3.8% were Latinx. A 2014 study from the Outdoor Foundation found that only 8% of folks participating in outdoor activities were Hispanic. James Mills, a black outdoors person, dubbed it, quote, the adventure gap, and a Sierra Club blog post called it the unbearable whiteness of hiking. Some people who have looked into this think it has to do with class. 40% of people who participate in outdoor activities like hiking have a household income of over $75,000. In an article over at Vox, Amanda Machado described her experience being Latinx and being into hiking and wrestling with some of the stereotypes that come along with that. Quote, Whenever I tell my parents about a backpacking trip in the wilderness, my parents joked about the irony. As immigrants, they had worked all their lives to ensure I had a roof under my head and a presentable clothes to wear. And now I was intentionally choosing to sleep outside wearing clothes covered in dirt. With the stereotypes that we endure already, many Latinx... I knew, felt the need to prove that they lived comfortably. I knew Latina women who manicured their hands specifically to give others the impression that they never had to work outside. And I knew Latinx families who hesitated to book hostels or camp when they traveled because they feared it implied they couldn't afford a, quote, real place to stay. To be a lady meant to treat myself delicately and to be a gentleman meant to honor a woman's fragility. I was never expected to carry much or do anything remotely dangerous without a man's protection or assistance." Nothing about me lugging a 30-pound pack across the mountains aligned with those ideals.
0: Yeah, so in one article I found in the Washington Post, they highlighted um, Audrey Peterman, an African-American environmental leader who with her husband wrote a piece called A Legacy of Land while exploring across the U.S. and have been creating working to create awareness for diversity in the outdoor community. It's kind of one of the things that they've been trying to do to highlight the black community being outdoors and actually Um, changing the ideas of it being just a fairy tale for black people, as she said. There's been a bit of a rise for youth of color since the Every Kid in the Park program created by the Obama administration, as well as programs created like Hikers of Color, Black People Hike, in our own, Atlanta's own, We Hike the Hill. And of course, the deep racist history of some of the parks could also be a deterrent for many visitors, I mean, I said that about my own um, Stone Mountain. Yeah. It's a big place of controversy because of the Confederate memorial it essentially has. Mm-hmm. And of course, the controversy throughout the U.S. with these similar types of memorials or uh, naming of the parks, which is I would be deterred from going from there, as well as the fact that many of these historical places have bad connotations to slavery history. Mm-hmm as well as, like, lynchings. And so I could see that as being problematic and not wanting to go visit those types of parks. Um, And also, as you had said, there's privilege attached to this with being able to actually take time off, get transportation, and especially when most of the the majority of these parks are not easily accessible. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have public transit to get to some of these nice little mountains, especially when you talk about the AT trail or the PCT trail. You can't just get there and you can't just take time off, and you can't just have babysitters. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely a thing of privilege.
1: For sure. And um, I was pleasantly surprised how many people are talking about this. Because sometimes you're like, I love hiking. Who knows how many people are going to write, like, research papers about it. But there was a lot out there. Um, Over on Code Switch, people of color discuss feeling culturally out of place when outdoors. A lot of the wilderness in America, a lot of parks are located in majority white areas. And I think this could even go back to the terrible <laughs> phenomena of white people calling the police on right black people oh, absolutely um, and it's the, like they can't be in the regular parks to cook out so <laughs> exactly <laughs> How can you be in the mountains <laughs> right um, so there's a lot there's a lot going on here I will say like this is not true necessarily in other countries I'm sure it is right. but not in all right. um, the whiteness of hiking when I hiked to the Andes in Peru I saw so many. Indigenous people kicking my ass, um, all ages, all genders, and caring way more while doing it. I'm like, <laughs> they're just kind of running by me. Uh, when I was researching, and I specifically put, you know, Asian women of color, Asian
0: women hiking, mm-hmm. and it just... It was just photos. It was just stock images and Uh no actual statistics. It talks about a little bit that Asian, it is on the rise for the Asian and women and people of color. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) everything else is just like stock images. Like I could not find one just article. Mm. It was just pictures of an Asian woman climbing or hiking. And I was like, that's super weird. Was she having the time of her life? I'm sure she was. And or someone was carrying her maybe. I don't know. I didn't actually look at it. Mm -hmm. I was just like, why? Why is this the
1: only result that I can find? Stock is. This is a fascinating world, I yes. tell you. An organization at Brown University called BOLT, or Brown Outdoor Leadership Training, focus on, they focus on making the outdoors more inclusive. And they recently released a guide called Identity, Privilege, and Oppression in the Outdoors. Quote, The way we experience the outdoors is inherently political. They used this quote from Karen Warren in The Whole Thing, too. Um, The collective memory of past experiences of legally mandated segregation, the flight from rural to urban areas due to forced labor outdoors, and racially motivated violence that most typically occurred in remote areas continues to play a role in deciding how people of color spend time in nature. When it comes to safety, there is a perception that it isn't safe for women to be hiking alone, a perception held by 46% of men and 54% of women, according to one study. And Bridget and I talked about this headline in a past episode a couple years ago about these women that were hiking alone and they were murdered. Um, There were two of them. right? But, you know, you need a man to make you a group, so a group of women is still... Were they the
0: ones that had the dog, too?
1: I think so. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then on top
0: of that, they had dogs. So none of this really, sh- for me, I would have been like, no, that... They weren't alone. Definitely me. <laughs> I definitely, the only times I would, like I said, I really hiked was with a friend who was mm-hmm. female or with my dog. So I'm like, well, I should be really dead,
1: according to this perception. According uh, this perception, <laughs> yeah. Me too, friend. <laughs> um, from the data we do have, though, your risk of violent crime is lower on a national park for both men and women than the country as a whole, which is actually, I think, sort of sad. I don't know how I feel about that. But anyway. <laughs> um, I, so many emotions. I know. I'm very confused about what's going on in my feelings. But I know that story broke last year about how women who are national park employees experience sexual harassment and assault. Um, But women are statistically more likely to survive an injury or accident in the American wilderness. Um, From a researcher looking into this, quote, culturally, females tend not to do as many of the idiotic things that solo males do. Males are more likely to try to pick up a rattlesnake. This was a quote (laughs) in a research paper, friends. (laughs) I I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just saw a toddler playing with, you know, snakes Mm -hmm. and such, but keep going. (laughs) I've only... I've hiked a lot, and I've hiked a lot alone, and I, I feel like I've only ever had one experience that I felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. There's certainly been times where I thought, oh, no, I might be lost. right? And that's kind of scary, but, you, you know, you've got your compass mode. or your map or whatever, and I'm, I'm fine. But right. one time I saw a dude who was just standing shirtless in the woods and not moving, and he had his, like, leg propped up like a flamingo would, and he had a cigar, and he didn't acknowledge me when I walked by... And I had a moment of fear. But that's it. And that wonderment, was it both? <laughs> both. It was both. Was he doing the little pirate stand? He he also had a monocle. I wasn't going to say because this look, sounds like I'm hallucinating, look, but he did. Uh amazing. amazing. It was in the middle of... It was one of those trails that so few people hike. Right. That it's not well kept. Right. <sighs> and for I, I remember I had an incident
0: where we were hiking... Um, I think it was towards Bartow County, one of the smaller trails. And we heard something grunt at us.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And we were pretty sure it was a a wild hog or a boar. Sure. So we ran, because, you know, those things are mean. Yes. They do not care and will rip into you. Mm But we were petrified. I think that's the fastest time that we ever made on that one trail. I think I also failed. I think I also failed trying to get. Did I? You win some, you lose some. Well, and then my plan has always been I always tell my friends that if it's between me and you, I'm going to trip you, I'm going to run. I'm glad I'm you're so upfront nice. about it, though. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to, hey, I told them, like, look,
1: I, I like know that. I can't win
0: <laughs> just by my own strength. So I'm going to throw something at you.
1: You've got to, you've got to know the dynamic. You've got to know in a survival situation who's going to do what. And everybody's like, and no one goes hikes with you. That's true. Well, if you, if you balance it out, I think it's fine. It's true, it's true. There was a time where I can't remember. A friend and I were hiking and at the time there was this guy who was going around killing women right. in the woods and it was right. ne- in Dawsonville. It was near where I live. Yeah. It um, was
0: It was on a famous trail if I remember.
1: Yeah. And we were going to a trail and there was a tree mm-hmm. over the road and we were like talking about what to do about it. My friend kind of semi-opened the door and a dude jumped out, but then we just backed up and left. And I, I don't know. Right. When I tell people that story, they think we were about to be murdered. I'm not so sure. Anyway, uh, (laughs) there are some famous female hikers and mountaineers that we wanted to to talk about. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The
0: all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So one of the most famous female hikers that we wanted to highlight is Emma Rowena Gatewood or Grandma Gatewood. Grandma Gatewood. Which is a rad name. Love it. I know there's a book about her my mom loves. I think it's probably Ben Montgomery's Grandma Gatewood's Walk, the inspiring story of the woman who saved the Appalachian Trail. I didn't get a chance to confirm with my mom, but I believe that's probably it. (laughs) Yeah. Her story is an amazing one. She was Mm -hmm. born in 1887, one of 15 children, and she married at 19. And she was a survivor of domestic violence. On one occasion, he broke her teeth and cracked her ribs. And when the police arrived, they arrested her, not him. Right. And she spent the night in jail. The mayor stepped in when he saw her black eyes and bloody face, and she was able to get a divorce, which was really rare Mm -hmm. and difficult to get in those days. Didn't she throw flour at him? I think so. I think so. It was like a sack of flour or just some flour at him mm-hmm. and they arrested her. Yes, Absurd absurd. She frequently would go outdoors to to get away from from it all, like like Samantha and I talked about. Um she had 11 children and 23 grandchildren. Oh no, that's too much. That's a lot. That is a lot. According to one of her daughters, when Emma saw a National Geographic article about the Appalachian Trail, it included the fact that no women had completed it, Grandma Gatewood saw that as a challenge and she gave it an attempt but broke her glasses pretty early on and had to stop. But she was not done. In 1955, at the age of 67, divorced for 30 years, Grandma Gatewood became the first woman to solo hike the Appalachian Trail. Boom. Yes. 2,189 miles, or 2,074.4 kilometers. 146 days in Keds. Keds. Are we promoting Keds now? They are not a sponsor. <laughs> I do have some Keds, me though. Me too. Someone made fun of me. <laughs> oh, I would never. All she brought with her was a blanket and a plastic shower curtain for the rain. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. For everything else, she counted on the kindness of strangers and her own resourcefulness. When asked about the experience by Sports Illustrated, she said, quote, I would never have started this trip if I had known how tough it was. But I couldn't, and I wouldn't quit. Yeah. hmm The following year, she kept on trailblazing, becoming the first person to through hike the Appalachian Trail twice. She did the second time for fun, she says. Nice. She ended up doing it a third time in sections, making her the first person to do it for three times. The media attention she drew is credited in part with prompting r- restoration of the trail for saving the Appalachian Trail. Um, when asked why she did it, she responded... Because I wanted to. I love that. I do, too. Why not? Because I wanted to. Because I wanted to. And that's not all. She also hiked from Independence, Missouri to Portland, Oregon, a 95-day, 2,000-mile, or 3,218.6 kilometers. She was a part of pioneering the Ohio Buckeye Trail, and a chunk of it is named for Grandma Gatewood, Grandma Gatewood Trail. In 1973, she died at the age of 85, and her obituary came with this quote, If those men can do it, I can do it. (laughs) I love that I love her. I love how she's, like, concise. She's just
0: like, it's not about you, it's about me. Mm -hmm. I just want to. I want want to to. do it. Jennifer Farr Davis tackled the Appalachian Trail as well, and she nailed it, completing it in the fastest time on record, 57 days and 8 hours. And four years later, another woman broke that record. Davis hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, too. She summited Mount Kilimanjaro. She set a record on the women's Vermont's long trail. She wrote books. She backpacked 100 miles while pregnant. And she founded and runs Blue Ridge
1: Hiking Company. Pregnant. Um, Yeah, girl. Every time I see someone running pregnant, I feel like, oh, wow. Like, everything about that looks painful. I'm like, yeah, you do it. You keep running. Wow. Mm-hmm. I am in awe of it. Uh, Blue Ridge Hiking is where I do a lot of my hiking, so maybe I yeah. should go check that out. Yeah. huh. One of the first female mountaineers was Ruth Dyer Mindahall. In the 1930s, Mindahall, a mother of two, made history when she climbed the Sierra Nevadas in California. This was a time when physical activities like this were viewed as squarely, not for women, bad for you. She and her husband pioneered trails in the Tetons, the Cascades, and the Alps. They get the credit for the first to summit Mount Confederation in 1947 and Aguile Peak in 1952. (laughs) She also wrote multiple books, including some introductory-level mountaineering books.
0: Another famous female mountaineer is Arlene Blum. She led the first all-female American team to summit the difficult Annapurna One. She did the same for Mount McKinley and attempted to do Everest as well. Blum started climbing early, and despite early failures, she kept at it. She went on to become a proponent for environmental protection
1: and published two award-winning books about her climbing experiences. And shout-out to Neva Warren, the youngest person, to solo through hike the Appalachian Trail at 14. Dang.
0: Again, yeah. that makes me feel bad about myself.
1: <laughs> mm, you know, we all have different paths in life. Well, that's because I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm never doing that. I can't imagine... My parents going for that. She did it. Yeah, she did it by herself. She did it by herself. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. That's concerning. <laughs> well, she is fine. She nailed I mean, it. she did it. She nailed Go it. Go ahead, Niba. I'm always the youths. They give youths. me hope. They give me hope. And we do have some other stuff that gives me a little bit of hope. <gasps> but first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So like we mentioned at the top, there are a lot of hiking groups out there that are especially focused on helping to get more people of color feel comfortable hiking or involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we hiked to Heal, which is the one yes. we we interviewed them on this very show. Um, it's run by two black married women. Latino Outdoors, The Fresh Air Fund, Vita Verda, Outdoor Afro, Brown People Camping, H-E-A-T, Hikers of Color. Some of these are um, Facebook groups or Instagram groups. Some of them are like website organization type things. Right. But I, I would highly suggest if you're interested to go. Go check any of them out. Um, more women and people of color being vocal about their hiking, like the Myrnovator, who we've mm-hmm. spoken about before. And that's really important. I know that from the articles I was reading, people said, like, seeing someone on Instagram who looks like them doing it right. made them feel like, oh, I can do that too.
0: He's in such good shape. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the National Park Service created the Office of Relevancy, Diversity, and Inclusion, and the Sierra Club similarly hired their first director of diversity, equity, and inclusion and elected their first African-American president. Which is awesome. And just to put it out there, doctors
0: are now starting to prescribe it even as echo therapy mm-hmm. for people to come out and do some, not only meditation but hiking and like being able to get outside of themselves away from electronics mm-hmm. as well as the fact that the people, there's been a study being used for ADHD, treatment mm-hmm. of ADHD or at least an assistance and as a therapy for ADHD which is fantastic and, and obviously again we talked about how it does reduce stress and for females in general and just them identifying people, it can be hopefully just something that you don't have to think about anything but concentrating on yourself and your connection to the world.
1: Yeah. Um, I know for me personally, I when I started, and I, I, it's one of those things we've talked about, like being thankful for your body and where it can take you, because right. I am very fortunate that I am in a position that I can do this. Right. Um, and I, I when I was in high school, I struggled so hard with depression. I would just sleep. All mm-hmm. the time, and for me personally, like taking that step and making myself get outside and do something, um, it it really did have a marked effect on my outlook and my energy level. And again, it's different for other people, but right. for me, it did.
0: Right. And again, we do acknowledge that all of this has a lot of privilege to this. Yes. Uh, again, I like it for people who are able-bodied to do so mm-hmm. and who have access to it. who has some money to it because sometimes it can get somewhat expensive. Yeah. Obviously, just for like paying for a pass. Going into Stone Mountain, which I'm not advocating because, again, I don't go there necessarily, but it costs a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and I was reading, I've never been someone... I could just hike in my my old tennis shoes and right. But if you actually get like the gear, mm-hmm. the, the the hiking shoes and the packs and the food and the that's a lot. The boots and the yeah the backpack. None of this is cheap. There's no, no cheap
0: versions of this. And if you get the wrong thing, it really messes you up. That's true. Like if you get shoes right that aren't that aren't good for you, you to pay for that. If you're going to the Appalachian Trail and you don't have the right boots, you're really going to be messed up. Or if you're, you know, what's her name and not have shoes at all. But, I mean, it can really, really mess you up. Mm -hmm. I remember I went on a trip uh, with a group of people and poor girl, she was very, very new, um, bought brand new hiking boots. Oh, no. She tried to wear them on our two-day hike and camp trip. Oh, she was mm-hmm. in so much pain. She was in so much... We had to figure out what, how to get her back down, essentially. Oh. Yeah, it was bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've made that mistake. Yeah, a lot You, of learn. <laughs> you learn. You're what? like, I need new shoes. It's I need new shoes. They'll look great. Right. No, nope, that's not how that yeah, works. At least a two-week breaking-in period <laughs> where you're wearing them all the time. Right. <laughs> that's our advice. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Again, Obviously. very privileged talk and we understand that. Yeah, um, it is. And... I am just such a. I love being outdoors, and um, I want I want more people who want to do that right. to feel comfortable doing that, and right. to have the access to do that. Right. So, I hope that uh, we're. It does seem that we we're moving in that direction. Yeah. Um, and I would we would love to hear from listeners your experience in this. If you have any book recommendations, if you're a part of a group that goes out, that we would love to hear about. Let mm-hmm. us know. Yes, absolutely. And you can do that by emailing us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast and on Instagram at Stuff I'm Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard, and guest producer, DJ Dave. Wait, did we call him DJ Dave? You did, so I picked up did on Did I? It. You did. <laughs> we have audio record of it.
0: Did I really? Yes. Well, now you are.
1: I gave you the... I think that's a good nickname. I think you should take that one. Um, And (laughs) thanks, as always, to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95%